Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. Welcome to episode 29 of the One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. Today we're tackling a topic that every single engaged couple can get on board with. How to save money on your wedding. No matter how big or small your budget or how extravagant or simple your wedding, every couple wants to get bang for their buck on their big day and rein in the spending where possible. We chatted in a previous episode with wedding planner Tara Fay about why weddings are so expensive. And that episode is definitely worth a listen. You'll know from hearing us speak before that we're not generally ones to advocate cutting corners. There's no getting around the fact that whining and dining a bunch of your favourite people is a pricey business, however you choose to do it. But hopefully in today's chat, we can help you identify areas where you're happy to spend less and provide some practical tips for making savings across your wedding. Yeah, I think this is going to be a lengthy chat because there's definitely a lot to cover. It seems regardless of whatever kind of budget you have, every couple hits a wall where they feel like they've overspent. And they're desperately trying to roll back. Yes. So that's probably why this episode is good to listen to. I mean, at any stage, but early on and just sort of try and tap into what areas we're talking about that you'd be happy to save on. Because generally, I mean, you're definitely not going to be able to follow every single tip that we have or else you just won't have a wedding anymore (laughs) it will be so strict that you have spent nothing yeah but if you can anticipate the overspending now it'll definitely make things a lot easier down the line so this will be not a strenuous listen but if you're listening to it with like a good idea of where your budget is at you'll definitely come away from this episode with a game plan for keeping a rein on your own purse so notebooks at the ready one fab day expert wedding tips As always, we're here to serve and we love nothing more than dishing up some advice to ensure smooth sailing into your wedding day. Selena, you're providing us with this week's tip. What have you got? Yes. Okay. so this week's tip is really, really good for the early days of planning. So what I've heard a few couples say they did, and I really like the idea, is when you first get engaged, maybe you're having a few nice engagement bashes and you're, you know, enjoying the buzz. Mm -hmm. The two of you go away separately without discussing it. Decide on three priorities each. Oh, I like this. Um, I know it sounds a bit like you're squirreled away in different rooms (laughs) in some kind of, I don't know, like reality TV show. (laughs) Uh, But you're not. You're just, you know, deciding separately. And then when you come together, you can see where they line up and where they diverge. And that really quickly will help you identify where compromises are going to have to be made. Yes. What happens if there's no overlap? There's no overlap. At least you know that you've got a tricky conversation ahead of you. And maybe you've got like a lot of discussing to do with each other. But often couples find that they maybe think they're going to have different priorities, but actually at least one or two will probably 
be around the same area. Like, yeah. you'll probably both say, I want my family to have a great time. You'll probably both say, I want to have a relaxed day. So there definitely will be some overlap. I think it's a good way as well to allow, particularly if there's one of you that's more vocal in the relationship or someone that's a bit of a yes person, that you both get a chance to kind of say what you want from the day um, without the other one steamrolling the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely that person in the relationship who my other half is always like, whatever you think. So this kind of cuts that out. Yeah. And you really get to find out what the other person thinks. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. Our main topic for today is how to save money on your wedding. As we mentioned up top, we're first to acknowledge that having a wedding in any sense is a big investment. But if you plan accordingly and get a little savvy about your spending, there are actually so many ways you can cut back on the bottom line. In planning this wedding, we realised we could actually do a whole series on how to save money on your wedding. We could and we may. Uh, So from the outfits to the catering or your venue choice to your guest list, there are so many departments, if you like, within your wedding and each one offers a different opportunity to save. So even if you've committed yourself to a luxurious venue or you have your heart set on a couture wedding dress, there are still lots of other ways you can trim down the overall cost. And as with all topics we cover on here, it's about working out where you want to prioritise. Yeah, so before we get stuck in, I think it's important to note that as we're making savings across the rest of your life, there's no magic fix that'll save you thousands on your wedding, bar maybe slashing the guest list. The only way to do it is by being on top of your overall budget and being diligent about every single expense that goes out, essentially watching the pennies, as unromantic as that might seem. So we have lots of tips to make that happen, whatever stage of planning you're at. So it really starts with making the budget, doesn't it? Like you really have to have your sensible hat on. Yeah. When you sit down to plan out the budget. I think making a solid and realistic budget from the absolute outset will save so much heartache down the line. That's usually the complaint we hear from people when they're really desperate and they feel like they've overspent. It's because they did no research and they said, what does a wedding cost? Oh, I suppose about this much. And had no idea that that's actually a really unrealistic amount for the kind of wedding they want. So obviously, say you have 20,000 to spend on your wedding. That's how much you have and there's no stretching that that's how much you have. But then there's no point in just writing down a bunch of figures and saying, well, the food will cost five, the photographer will cost a thousand and my dress will cost a thousand if you haven't actually looked into what those things cost. So we have a lot of good features on the website. We've real wedding budget breakdowns, which are really good for just seeing how different couples navigated their budgets depending on how much they had to spend and we also have some spending guides which are really useful so we have a guide to how much the average of what you'll spend in Ireland is and in the UK as well we have a second one for that and then we have like flower guides hair makeup guides dress guides things like that that'll definitely help you be more equipped when you start making your budget yeah and they're all updated every year as well so you know that at least the figure there will be somewhere in the ballpark but Mm -hmm. I think that's the problem for a lot of couples is they don't even know where to put the ballpark because they've never planned a wedding before. Yeah. Which is understandable. Yeah. And as we said about identifying priorities, I think it's okay to be flexible on one or two areas. So if you find your dream venue and it's 2000 more than you thought it was, maybe that's an area that you're okay to be flexible with, knowing that you're going to have to trim elsewhere, but you can't be flexible on everything. And that's the problem is down the line, when you've added a thousand here and a thousand there, and then it just that's an extra 10,000 by the, by the yeah. end. You Suddenly your 20,000 budget is 35,000. Exactly. And that happens to so many couples and it really can take the shine off planning a wedding. So, yeah, you don't want to be really stressed in the month before because you're like, oh, am I going to have to take out a loan to pay for the end of my wedding? And the tricky thing as well is because you 
sign up to spend money as in you'll pay a deposit of maybe 100 to a florist on a 2000 euros of flowers say and you're spending all these deposits but you actually have this bill coming at the end Hmm. and it's just it's a big undertaking to manage all of that to manage your budget the deposits coming in and out you're also trying to save at the same time and you say you're getting married two years out you're giving yourself plenty of time to save but it is hard to stay track because there's so much money coming in and out. So having a good, strong budget that you stick to and that you keep on top of will help make all that so much smoother. Like events planner is a professional job title. So think of it that <laughs> good way. Reason. If it was your job to plan this wedding, you wouldn't dream of doing it without getting out a spreadsheet. Exactly. And doing the budget. Just a note as well, in the budget chat to set a hefty contingency. We say this all the time and I cannot hammer it home enough. Um, anywhere between 10 and 20%, I'd say at least 15 Yeah. I'd say, yeah, 12.5 is probably, I would say, standard for every single person. But yeah. depending on how thrifty or not thrifty you tend to be, maybe yeah. inflate or deflate a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's also important to keep aware of any hidden charges or fees, tips, delivery fees if you're buying stuff from overseas. There's just a lot of hidden expenses and it's better to factor all of those in now. And also not to just have, say, 2004, like bridesmaids but you haven't actually assigned it to anything specific yes so don't be vague be very specific in every single line item that you're going to need yeah unless you have planned a wedding before which is probably unlikely for anyone listening to this i think the attitude to have is that i'm not 100 percent sure so don't make any sweeping guesses basically yes, for exactly. anything for bridesmaids dresses even don't go on to um, some website and find you know search by lowest price yeah. and say oh okay that's definitely what I'm going to spend on a bridesmaid's dress because yeah possibly that's not going to be the dress for you no this is also probably a good time to have a chat with parents or anyone who might be giving you a bit of cash for the wedding yeah if that's on the horizon it would be good to know that up front I know it's an awkward chat but it'd be helpful in making the budget yeah just you so you know how much you have to work with yeah and be realistic about how much you'll be able to save as well a lot of couples go into it kind of oh yeah, we can put a thousand a month off our wedding, but then you've everything else happening and you don't necessarily want to have to stay in and eat beans for two years while you yeah. save for your wedding. And you're going to have loads of people who want to meet you and go for dinner. Yeah. And if, for example, let's say you've decided that you want a specific dress and you have to travel to the boutique or something yeah. like that, there are all those little charges as well. So don't assume it's going to be... monthly facials. The monthly facials. It's not going to be the cheapest year or 18 months of no. your life anyway. No. You'll probably be spending with abandon, so it's good to be realistic. Yeah, yeah, from the outset. So we discussed guest list a little bit in the intro. Mm. And really... If you are looking to make a huge cut in the cost of your wedding, probably the guest list is the only way to do it. Yeah. Generally, how many guests you have takes up about 50% of your wedding budget. So say things like flowers or the photographer are going to cost the same whether you have 30 people or 300 people. But food and drink and the size of venue you need to book, which is 50% of your budget, will be completely dependent on how many guests you have. So if you're trying to trim things back then that's exactly where you need to do it I think that's good for a lot of people to know as well is for a lot of people they're not willing to cut the guest list down which is totally fine Um, but then at least with that information knowing yourself that you don't want to just have 30 people you can be realistic about what kind of venues to look at exactly and whether to have a city versus a castle wedding Mm -hmm. and all those things 
Yes, yeah, so when you go to visit a venue, a lot of times they'll give you a rental fee if it's exclusive hire, but then there'll also be a per head price, particularly with a hotel or more traditional venue. So it's good to have your guest list in mind for that anyway, because if there's a huge difference, obviously, if it's 50 euro a head and if it's 100 euro a head. And we had a couple on the site recently who I loved their idea. So they wanted a big guest list and they didn't want to have to cut back on any of their friends and family. So they hired like a big warehouse venue and they had pie and mash for their catering, which I thought was really cool. So there's definitely a workaround for everything. But if you are trying to cut back, the guest list is definitely the easiest way. Yeah, as long as you know exactly where the sacrifices need to be made, I think yeah. you won't go far wrong. Like if you get 145 person per head back as a figure, uh, you know, and the venue said, look, that's how we do the food here. We do uh, set four or five course meal or whatever. You're going to know exactly where you stand and you're going to have to look at alternatives if you want big, big guest list or if you want a small guest list, you know, you might be able to swing it. Yeah. Exactly. And that kind of brings us nicely onto our next one, which is about choosing your venue carefully and choosing the date carefully, which can save you a lot of money. So essentially, after you choose a venue, from then on, all of your decisions are kind of based around that. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of your last chance to make dramatic savings on your wedding in terms of how much decoration you're going to have to do. Um, how much you're going to spend on accommodation, how much obviously you'll spend on the venue itself and on the catering. So you can't take that decision lightly. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like if you go for a city restaurant venue, for example, you might decide, oh, it's fine for us to just have a DJ and not a band or, oh, well, we'll just need, you know, like a bouquet. We won't really need to decorate because the room is lovely and contemporary as it is. But if you have a big castle venue, you're going to feel like you need to fill that room with lots of decoration. You're going to feel like if you're bringing people to a location in the middle of the country, you need to put on a band for them. You need to put on loads of entertainment. They can't get a taxi home at 8pm. There are all these decisions that suddenly are kind of made for you when you pick your venue. You might have tables you have to dress. You might need to be required to have chair covers. You might be required to bring in your own tables and chairs, things like that. So it's important to kind of go in with all of that in mind when you start looking at venues a lot of people talk about off season and I'm absolutely here for it but I do think people aren't aware how long the wedding season is yeah yeah my other half plays in a wedding band and I can tell you that there is a very small off-peak season for weddings yeah like you think of it as like oh the weekends in June and July but really they're very few quiet times I would say like a bit of January and February and then like a bit of November really like autumn and spring are big big wedding times as well so if you get married on a Monday in November you might be able to get a discount obviously all venues are different so the bigger hotel venues you might be able to negotiate whereas there's some very popular Irish venues in particular anywhere that's a bit more unique alternative or exclusive hire might be booked up a year or two in advance yeah even on that random Thursday in January yeah you know exactly possibly gonna happen so while it's definitely an option so midweek or off-peak weddings are definitely an option for saving money do be realistic about how short that window is yeah and have the conversation before you decide that it's going to save you a load of money because they might the people from the venue might tell you something different yeah likewise when you're navigating the quote with the venue so again 
as I said, some venues will be open to haggling and others are absolutely not. This is what we charge and that's it. And both are fine because it's it's down to supply and demand, really. Mm -hmm. But go through every line again with a fine tooth comb because there might be unexpected fees and charges in there. You might realise it's only a two course meal instead of a three or four course meal or you have to pay extra for teas and coffees. You have to pay extra to cut a cake. Yeah. You might be required to hire in linens, but they have a specific linen person and that's what it costs. So there's a lot of different things like that. Check what accommodation, if any, is included, if it's the bridal suite or if you're going to have to pay to upgrade to that. There's a lot of variables, so it's worth going through it all really carefully at the, yeah. at an early stage so that you don't have unexpected bills down the line. Yeah, definitely. When things are getting to the stage where there are figures on paper, you need to be quite diligent about checking things because you might say, oh, well, the wedding coordinator said to me that this would be no problem during our show around three months ago. But that mm. doesn't mean that it's complimentary or that it's included in the fee you're quoted. Yeah, exactly. So you have to kind of be a bit pedantic at that yeah. stage. But it's better for everyone because you know where you stand. Yeah. When it comes to negotiating, the areas where you might be able to have a bit of wiggle room are things like corkage, accommodation, things like added canapes or them an taking cocktail off a or Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you mightn't be able to get 20% wiped off your bill. No. You can try. But yeah, generally it'll be things like that that they might be able to throw you in. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, you might be able to ask, oh, listen, is there any extras you can put on for me that will sweeten the deal? And yeah. They might say, well, actually, you know what, we can throw in an ice cream truck that we deal with or whatever as part of your package all about that. and you were planning to spend a bit of money on something similar anyway so it's worth asking what they can do for you yeah generally they're pretty limited on how generous they can be but it's always worth an ask yeah it's worth looking around too at the furniture they have and things like that that you might want to hire in and just to see what they already have and making sure you're happy with all of that because they might have chairs that you don't like and then mm. if you're going to have to pay to get different ones in then maybe go to a different venue. Yeah, if you're very decor focused, I would say pay a lot of attention to um, the decor. That sounds obvious. But you won't have to decorate a venue that you already love the look of Absolutely. all that much. Yeah. Whereas if you have a really cool warehousey venue, of course it would be cool, but you're probably not going to end up with your wedding there and it just looks like a warehouse. You're probably going to want yeah. a ceremony arch or you're going to want you know little tables set up with yeah. some kind of food station. Yeah, likewise, we hear a lot of couples who book kind of a big generic ballroom and then they say, oh, we're going to make it intimate. We're going to make it romantic. And that's expensive. Um, hiring in lights and hiring in linens and different things like that and fancy centerpieces. Mm. It all adds up. So try and find a venue that you love and that you won't need to do too much to. Because we all know the whole tying fans to the wall at 5am before your wedding can be stressful. As well. <laughs> yes. You might wish you had just sprang for a planner or indeed a different venue. Yes, exactly. And finally on the venue chat, it's not very trendy, but choosing a like basic all-in-one package is almost always the cheapest way to go. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people are really interested in an alternative and unique wedding and that often doesn't pertain to let's say a hotel or resort venue yeah but just remember if you are considering it that kind of venue obviously if you're not considering it don't mind me at all but if you are considering a hotel style resort style venue there are a lot of benefits to that in that you have like this amazing service they run a professional hotel so 
a lot of extra things would probably be done for you and your guests yeah. who are staying overnight that wouldn't be done in a different kind of venue. Yeah, it's all quite streamlined. So even down to tiny things like they'll print the menus and they'll have the place cards for you or they'll already have contacts with different suppliers who know how to work the room. Yeah, they might even have a room where they're like, oh, do you want to use these vases for your centerpieces yeah stuff like that exactly and at least with a package you know from the very beginning what it's going to cost as opposed to other venues where you're paying a higher fee and an accommodation fee and then you might be sourcing outside catering which can get extremely expensive or a marquee wedding mm. where everything is an unknown until it's you variable. assemble it all together so while i absolutely love marquee weddings i absolutely love exclusive higher venues if the budget is the most important thing to you, a hotel might be a safe bet. Yeah, yeah. You're just going to have a very clear idea from the beginning, which you can't have if you're, you know, setting up a marquee on a lovely beach somewhere. Yes, exactly. So in terms of suppliers, then we always say that if you are trying to get competitive prices out of suppliers, it's good to cast a wide net and to uh, shop around and get a lot of quotes mm. I will put a heavy disclaimer on this and say that that takes a lot of time yeah now maybe if you've picked one or two suppliers that you're really really determined to scrimp on let's say uh that would be okay but if you're doing it with every supplier like you're talking about adding weeks worth of work yeah to the early stages of wedding planning so just keep in mind that yeah it might be to your benefit you might save a bit of money by contacting five photographers instead of initially two but the workload is going to build up pretty quickly. Yeah, but it definitely pays to to try a few different ones. And then you'll get a good sense as well of what's good value. When you get the quotes back, you can negotiate or haggle. But just make sure you're always respectful and remember that this is this person's job. So we talked a lot about this in the chat with Tarfay, but it's the idea that you're paying for a professional for their experience, for their equipment, whatever it might be. And they deserve to be paid a fair price. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't think X is worth it, you still have to be respectful about it and their fee is their fee. And if you need to book someone else, that's fine. Yeah. Again, I feel like embrace ignorance. Like remember that you don't know what flowers cost. You Mm -hmm. don't know the man hours involved in growing them, cutting them, arranging them. So, you know, try not to get to the point where you're just assuming like, oh, they're overcharging me because yes. unless you have experience in that field, you don't know. Yeah. So I think the most respectful way to do it is to just let them know what your budget is and ask if they're in any way flexible on their fee. They'll say yes or no. Yeah. And I think if you say it, put it in that way and are really polite, then people will get back to you. Whereas if you send a really cheeky email with loads of like winky emojis going what can you do for this price and yeah. you turn into a bit of a Dell boy yeah they might not even reply and I don't blame yeah. them no <laughs> you might be their 10th Dell boy that week yeah yeah uh, likewise I think it's important to just be mindful of where you're cutting corners and how you're choosing to do it so think about how it might impact on your guests so say mm. cutting back maybe on a centerpiece won't ruin anyone's day but cutting back on canapes might make your guests hangry by the time dinner rolls around. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just a matter of just really thinking about the impact of the savings that you make. And likewise, I think it's better to go with a good quality vendor and have less of the product yes. than have like a whole room full of flowers. But it's done by a really inexperienced florist who won't execute it well. And maybe we'll just wreck your head the whole time because exactly. they're not at a professional level where they're used to dealing yeah. with couples. Yeah, because a great florist will be able to 
make you something beautiful for your budget regardless whereas an inexperienced florist could give you dead flowers <laughs> and like troubleshooting as well like people who have years of experience in the business mm. even whether they're the kind of suppliers who are with you on the day or whether they like you know create the product and then head off that knowledge is really valuable and if yes. something goes wrong in the lead up to the wedding to have experienced professionals around will really yeah. benefit you because yeah. they'll be able to tell you oh I was at a wedding where this happened and this is what we did and it was actually worked out fine yeah whether it's a smaller bouquet or a one-tiered wedding cake or a shorter amount of photography time yeah but with a really good experienced vendor I'd say err on the side of that yeah it's worth remembering as well that just because let's say two photographers have the same style doesn't mean they run their business the same way so mm. like one of them might work on packages and they might have you know only full day packages and they don't do anything else and another type might do five different packages that are different lengths mm. um and they're totally within their right to like do things differently and just keep that in mind and be respectful there's no right or wrong way for them to do their business or run their business that's just the way they do it to best make things run smoothly yeah so uh keep in mind that you might get slightly different quotes from people for mm. different products and just as long as they're clear on what you're getting for your money uh it should be all good and you should be able to really compare them accurately yeah. another thing to note similar to the venue it's worth having a chat with them to see what else they can do so say a florist might have amazing decor that they'll be able to lend you or Mm. give you for the day um, or you might be able to hire from them likewise a cake baker might help set up a dessert table so uh, a lot yeah. of good vendors double job for want of a better word so a lot of florists are also stylists and they might be able to yeah. dress the tables for you so it's worth just seeing what else they can do and then that way you're saving on hiring two different suppliers. Yeah, like hair and makeup sometimes can be the same person mm-hmm. and a lot of bands have a DJ service. Yeah. So there are a lot of different areas where, yeah, you might be able to make a saving because you're booking essentially two services with one person. Seasonality is another really good way to cut back on the expense of different suppliers. So that's florists and food. Mm. I'm sure flying in orchids from Singapore in the middle of winter does that up it's not cheap yeah it's handy that seasonality is a trend at the minute (laughs) Uh, not just because it means that you know people listening to this are considering it but it means that suppliers will be used to being asked for it Mm. so now that seasonal flowers are a big thing nearly all florists will know what it is and be able to offer you options yes on seasonal flowers yeah the really good suppliers will have advice for you on how to save money as well Mm. i know that sounds contradictory like why would they save themselves money but they will say things to kind of help you i suppose have the kind of day that you want for the budget that you've laid out so if you say listen i really want a ceremony arch I can't afford one. They'll say, well, do you know what we could do is I could make one arrangement. And if you are able to source, let's say, um, a wooden archer, like you have an uncle who can put it together for you, who's a carpenter, uh, you know, that's a way we can meet in the middle. So it's definitely worth saying to them, A, what your budget is and B, you know, I'm really trying to save in this area. They will have advice on that. Yeah. When I was planning my wedding, our florist kind of said, give me like a sky's the limit brief. And then you can cut back accordingly, which did work well. But then it was really hard to cut back because yeah, I'd I invested know. in You wanted everything. Yes. Which also brings us on to a do be careful of an upsell and 
try and stick to your brief where possible so if you go in and you just want don't know why we're picking on the flowers we'll go with the cake (laughs) Um, if you want three tiers and you want it all the same cake and then all of a sudden you're being sold five tiers of five different flavours and a plate of macaroons exactly um, for twice the price um, that's obviously not ideal so yeah you do have to stick to your guns a bit and it can be really hard when you're showing something really beautiful and all of a sudden that's the only thing you can think of and you really want to have it well I think you know when someone's being pushy mm. and in that case if you're at early stages you can choose not to use that person because they might be a bit annoying down the line Yeah. and if you're already using them you can just be firm with them and say listen this is my budget I really, really can't go beyond that. And there's nothing they can say back except, yeah. OK, right, I'll give you what we agreed on. And as we said, if it's not a priority, then there's no need to be flexible on it. Whereas maybe a great videographer, you might decide to push the boat out and spend an extra 500 on the right person. Yeah, and so you should. In terms of style now, I know a lot of people listening will be like, I want to look good. Yes. This is not an area to cut corners. No. And... It may or it may not be, basically. If you've had your heart set in a couture wedding dress from the off and you feel like it's realistic for you to set that money aside in the budget, then I think you really should. Yeah. Um, But if you're someone who's like, you know what, clothes have never been that important to me or, you know, I'll feel my comfort is more important than like wowing everyone in the room, then you'll be able to get a beautiful outfit, but it just won't cost the you know same amount as a high-end designer dress yeah there are stunning dresses to be had at, at every, every single price. price point um and there's it's really hard to say an average of what people spend because it can really go up to twenty thousand plus yeah um and be in the hundreds so yeah it's about what figure you're comfortable spending we really like that kind of idea of a high-low approach so Maybe you don't spend a lot on your dress, but you go all out in on your shoes or... A headpiece, maybe. Yes. Yeah, that's a real statement piece and that's a real big part of your look. Yeah. So I think it it is about how it sits with you because a lot of people say they only want to spend a certain amount and then when they go in, they actually are like, no, do you know what? I really love this dress and I don't mind spending a lot on it. Whereas someone else might try on a gorgeous dress and be not comfortable at all with the price. Yeah, we really have seen beautiful wedding dresses on the site for 80 quid, 550 quid, all the way up to 20 grand. Yeah. So, you know, it's possible. It's just about finding the right thing for you and what works for you. And yeah. in, on that note, I would say if you have a strict budget... Don't be going into shops and trying on dresses you can't afford. Yes. Yeah. Most boutiques are very stringent on asking your budget and not showing you dresses yeah. beyond it. If your boutique doesn't do that, tell them your budget and tell them that you do not want to try on a yeah. single dress. You don't have to try it on if it's outside of your budget. Yeah. And I would respect you to no end if you were like, listen, I know I'm going to fall in love with that dress. It's yeah. not in my budget. I would rather have a band that's more important to me and my friends and my guests. Yeah. So I'm not trying that on. That's completely acceptable to say. Yeah. If you are trying to save money on your dress, ask your boutique about samples. Uh, keep in mind, bridal samples aren't like a fashion size zero. Um, they can be all kinds of sizes. So it's worth asking. Um, likewise, asking if they have any sample sales coming up. Or if they have trunk shows, which is when a designer visits the boutique or they get in a full collection, often they might have like a 10% discount over the duration of the trunk show. Yeah. Um, So it's a nice opportunity to just score some savings. Yeah. Boutiques and groomswear outfitters will often have one or two big 
bridal or a groomswear events a year mm. where you can make big savings. So if you yeah. have a big lead in time, maybe sign up to their newsletters of people yes. you're interested in and yeah. keep an eye out and you can actually wait until the day. Yeah. It comes up to go and visit them. Yeah, likewise, follow any designers you love. Newsletters are definitely the best way to be in the know because mm. obviously we know the Instagram algorithm <laughs> doesn't always show it doesn't you know what, what you it's doing these days. Um, so yeah, newsletters are definitely the way to go. August is also a really good time if you're shopping. Just it tends to be right before a lot of the boutiques get their new stock in. So it can often be the time where samples become available. If you're shopping High Street, which... I know some brides are eager to do um, or for bridesmaids dresses as well. A lot of the wedding collections come in around March mm. up to May and they go really quickly. So it's worth keeping an eye out for those as well. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in October now and you're wondering where are all the high street bridal collections, we don't know why, but they tend to be in the spring. Yeah. Uh, maybe as they get more popular down the years, they will start doing twice yearly or three times yearly collections but at the minute that's a good general rule it's really important to factor in all the elements of your look as well when you're planning out the price of it so 2000 might be your budget for your dress but then have you factored in alterations the shoes the veil that could be another thousand at least so when you're looking at dresses keep all of the rest of those costs in mind as well yeah and think about things like for example if you are thinking of a t-length wedding dress you know that you're probably going to be pickier about the shoes you wear as opposed to a maxi dress where only the slightest little flash of your shoe will be seen mm. um so things like that to keep in mind when you're shopping for your dress try and imagine all the other accoutrements that you want to have and we should say on groomswear as well, you can definitely make savings. I would argue that with groomswear, it's something you can actually use and wear after your wedding. So I always say if you have the money to get a really nice suit, do it because you will wear it. Like, mm. look, the bride probably isn't going to wear her dress again. I don't know, Celine, I wear mine to do the hoovering all the time. <laughs> I'll be looking for pictures of that, please. So in general, I don't really recommend going for lower quality on groomswear because you Mm. will always need a good suit. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the really good groomswear outfitters will give you free alterations on your suit for life. Oh, Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the really big ones do offer that. So that's great because then, you know, like unless your weight really radically changes, you should get 10 years, maybe 20 years out of your suit. And again, if you, I know this sounds very boring, but if you buy with a very timeless look in mind, mm. which a lot of grooms do, they're not yeah. really, a lot of grooms aren't going for very statement suits. Um, You should be able to wear it for a long time. So that's the one caveat with the groomswear. But of course you can do high street. If you have a particular requirement, like you're very, very tall, and you need to get a pair of trousers custom made, you can do that and then match it with a high street blazer and waistcoat. Yeah. yeah, and likewise for a more bespoke look, you can always buy a suit and have it tailored to you rather than getting the full thing made. Yeah. Uh, renting absolutely. is quite common for grooms, men really, and often grooms as well. But there's increasingly an amount of cool places that do bridal wear and bridesmaids. Yeah, and like definitely consider that especially if you have a particular very popular dress in mind Mm. from a popular designer and you know for a fact god that dress has been all over pinterest chances are if it has that one of these boutiques that rent wedding dresses might have it in stock yeah no it's definitely worth checking it won't be for everyone but if you're trying to cut back it's definitely one of the ways to go as we're talking about wedding parties it's worth talking to them about your budget as well before they start looking at dresses or suits talk to them about what they already have so Mm. 
Particularly for groomsmen, if they all already own a grey suit, maybe you could just buy the ties if you're not going to be super particular about having yeah. a very styled look. Likewise, if all of your bridesmaids own a red dress, maybe you could just do that instead of yeah. having formal bridesmaids dresses. Again, loads of these won't be for everyone, but if that's you and you're the kind of person who's not going to mind mm. or you're just happy for them all to wear like a nice dress they already own, then just go for that. I mean, call me harsh if you must, but I feel like getting rid of the formal wedding party can be a really good way to save. Yeah. Because anyone I know who's done that, they've still had the same level of support from their friends and their friends are still there to carry the rings or, you know, help show people to their seats or hold your bag or whatever it is. Uh, You just don't have to pay for their outfits. Yeah, they're not going to be grudgy just because you didn't spring for the dress. Yeah, exactly. They're just going to be delighted to A, wear what they want and B, to have a great day with you and help you out wherever you need it. So if you're not really devoted to the idea of having the photo where everyone's dressing the same thing yeah definitely consider just not having formal bridesmaids yeah. and groomsmen and just say to them like as you did Claire you be my non-bridesmaids or non-groomsmen and you were very good at the job thanks <laughs> and I wore my own unitard you did it was cool you had a costume change midway I did I actually had three planned but I only got as far as the second one before the band started and then I forgot fun. all about it that's fair it was it was a very dramatic evening I think as well cutting back on your wedding party will also just save on other formalities like the gifts for everybody or some people cover the accommodation for a wedding party Mm. so if you don't have one you do save there. Now again I didn't cut back on a wedding party to save money it was just a happy coincidence so it has to be something that you're invested in doing because it does kind of change the vibe of your day. I like that it informalizes it Mm. but yeah it's definitely a handy way to save some cash. Yeah. And you can always take the old wedding trope and try and borrow things. Yes. For your something borrowed. I would say this works probably even better with stuff like decor. If you've had friends who've been married recently and they went and bought a load of napkins or cutlery. Yeah. Definitely yeah. ask them, or oh, do you have any of them lying around? They'd be delighted to give them to you. Absolutely. We um, loaned friends of ours our lights and our napkins, and it was so good to actually just see them be used again, because when are we going to use 100 napkins? Yeah, I mean, you've got about 10 in weekly rotation, and <laughs> yes. then the rest of them are <laughs> up in the attic in a box. Exactly. And when it comes to style, things like veils are really nice to wear again, and jewellery as well is lovely to have something that's someone else's. Yeah, definitely. You can do the same for bridesmaids as well. If you have mm. maybe bridesmaids shoes that someone maybe has left over it's always worth asking especially people who friends who've gotten married very recently decor is an area where i think a lot of people think they can save loads of money by diying and it's not always the savvy saving tool that you might think if you don't have knowledge in that area you might end up going through 200 euros or pounds worth of materials before you realize I can't make my own yeah. ceremony arch or I can't make my own guest book yeah. sign. And I've made several wedding cakes and they're not cheap. <laughs> no, no, like anything that's like you say on that scale where it has to feed 80 people or yeah. it has to be seen by 100 people in a congregation you know it's going to be a big job so just keep that in mind obviously if you have skills in any area that you could apply to their your wedding definitely yeah. do that like, yeah like my go dad has good you. handwriting so I just got him to like write everything and do all our signs and stationery and things like that but unless you have a 
calligrapher for a father. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably not advice. Yeah. We actually had a bride in the site recently who taught herself calligraphy and did it all herself. Whoa. Now, it was beautifully done, but I think... I'm pretty sure she started like with actual lessons like two years out, like something that now she wants to do like for her friends and for probably she is the most beautiful Christmas cards ever, every yeah. year or whatever. Um, but yeah, just bear in mind that if you are thinking of taking up a new skill and we see this a lot, so it does happen. You have to have time to perfect yeah. it. You have to have time to practice before you suddenly start working on your wedding things that are going to be there on the day and that the materials for practice runs that all has to be included and it might not square up well with how much it would cost to just buy it or ask someone to make it for you yeah definitely using the internet to your advantage can be a great way to save on decor so printables are really good and they're often some of our most searched features on the site or Mm. like printables for hem parties or printables for stationery and likewise using the internet to source things from maybe sites that are like less pretty than Etsy but you might find something cheap if you were willing to put the hours into scrolling you might be able to bag a bargain yeah obviously in an ideal world you would shop locally for everything but we're talking about cutting costs here so if this is the area where you've decided to be a bit of a scrooge then that's a good (laughs) way to do it yeah and you could also consider as well maybe limiting your stationery to you know maybe one piece yeah let's say the invitation I think I think it's really nice to have a hard copy invitation obviously some couples do all digital yeah um, but you could even spring for a nice stationer's invitation and then you could do the menus yourself if you really are trying to save in that area yeah on the day stationery is a, a handy place to cut back there yeah I think it's a really nice idea to think of your decor as an investment so we've seen like a big trend lately is the neon lights so mm. a lot of couples say they bought that for their wedding and then they hung it up in their kitchen um potted plants is another big trend and it's nice and sustainable that couples or their guests can take them away afterwards and use them rather than throw away things or cheap things that yeah. you're not going to use again definitely like a little bar cart let's say to put your wedding cake on and dress mm. up the venue and you can then if you know it fits in your home yeah. that works out um definitely it's a good idea to limit the amount of like cheapy last minute things that are yes. purchased and a lot of this is just talking to yourself and saying no the venue will look beautiful yeah the room's going to look amazing yeah and not falling victim to thinking that you need everything to have a ribbon on it or everything to have a pom-pom on it and a lot of the shops know like when wedding season is and you Mm. go into pennies and they have this like copper bunting and all of a sudden you're like i need that you don't no Um, you've got a plan you're sticking (laughs) to it there are loads of professionals involved in your wedding the coordinator maybe even a stylist Loads of people have seen the room and are like, this is going to be great. Yeah. You don't need any more validation than that. And as we mentioned, reuse and recycle while we're being sustainable. Talk to your friends about what they have. Things like candle holders, lights, bunting. You might be able to score from them. Uh, We actually have a feature on the site that is called um, Wedding Non-Essentials that you Mm. can ditch from your wedding right now. Yeah. Which I think I went through it and calculated how much it could save you if you were going to have everything on the list and you ditched everything on the list and it was somewhere like six or seven thousand euro pounds sort of so that's a good place to go and if there's anything on there that you can just cross off the list yeah um absolutely go for it now i'm not talking about big things things like the fancy hangers that you put your wedding dress on for the photo the 
pajamas you get for your bridesmaids you know the expensive bouquets that you buy for your mams as a thank you yeah. that they then leave wedding in favors. the hotel yeah there's a lot of stuff there that are lovely and absolutely have them and I've been at weddings where they've been there and I've really appreciated them but really 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 not essential no in the same vein it's really important to watch out for last minute expenses so the things like the night before your wedding I'm buying everyone around a drinks. That's really nice and really generous. I'm not saying don't do it. But keep in mind that all those things are coming down the line and each of them will be expensive. Say when you're in Brown Thomas or in a department store the week before your wedding and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I might buy a new lipstick and I might buy a wedding fragrance and mm. oh, I deserve this fancy moisturizer. It's my wedding week. And all of a sudden you've dropped 200 quid and you don't really know what you bought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think just keep reminding yourself I am throwing an amazing free party for my friends and family and that might help take some of the guilt off of things like, oh, I really need to like offer to pay for everyone's room or offer to pay for their taxis to the rehearsal dinner or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And just think of it as well as your wedding day is a giant treat for not only your guests, but you and your other half. So if you're thinking, I need a wedding fragrance Listen, you've got a really, really big treat. The best day of your life, arguably, coming on Friday. So (laughs) maybe you don't need the fragrance. Yes. And I think that's something to keep in mind throughout the duration of your Mm. planning. You do get swept up in it. It's such a fun, exciting time. But there is that like monthly facial you decide to get or you're trying to get your nails to look good. So you go for regular manicures or every time you have a dress fitting, there's cocktails afterwards and all those things. I'm not saying you don't deserve to indulge, but all those things add up. And between that and the last minute things and the fact that you bought these glasses because they say Mr. and Mrs. on them. Yes, you're talking, (laughs) you're talking a couple of grand easily. And none of that will be on your budget. None of that will be the kind of thing you make, you take note of, which is why you have to be extra cautious about them. Yeah, I think it's just about being deliberate. Like if you can say conclusively that, no, do you know what? Three bridal boutique appointments. And after each one, me and my mom, my sister go for three slap up lunches with bubbly. That's really meaningful to me. That's Mm. important. Set money aside for that and keep that in the back of your head. Even if it doesn't go on the wedding budget, put it down somewhere. Write it down on your own personal budget as I must remember to save this money for this month and next month. But if you go into it a wild abandon and go, oh, sure, I have to have a glass bubbly with every single wedding decision I make then you might end up regretting that you didn't just save some of that money and get a massage the week of the wedding to de-stress or something like that. So just try to, I suppose, foresee, you know, where the value is for you. Because you need to be able to pay the venue on the week of your wedding. You do? They're not going (laughs) to give you a free wedding. No. I'm afraid. Sadly not. So yeah, in general, a lot of this is just about having a healthy attitude towards wedding spending. Yeah, like I have heard so many couples use the phrase monopoly money around weddings and say that they went into it being like, you know what, I'm going to get this wedding over the line for two grand. And then suddenly it felt like monopoly money and they just started writing checks. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if people write checks anymore, but metaphorically writing checks left, right and center because they're like, sure, we're in now. We've sunk a load of money in already. We can't pull out. So we have to just keep going. And that's, I suppose, the kind of fix that we're hoping to help you avoid where you really, really are spending more than you want. Because honestly, 
obviously when you're in the throes of it an extra thousand doesn't sound like anything because you've already spent 30 and you're like I don't even know where yeah. we are anymore I just need to like fight fires here Yeah, and it's frightening and I think it's important to think of in a year's time will this matter in 10 years time will mm. this matter because even the month after your wedding you start to think about certain things that you spend money on and you feel a bit silly and like we said in our anxiety episode if you think of will this matter in a year's time will this matter in 10 years time and if the answer is no then you probably can dish it or even would I have done this a year ago like a year ago would I have spent 700 euro on a pair of shoes now you probably wouldn't have and doesn't mean you can't buy the 700 euro pair of shoes but it might suddenly make you think do you know what I'm gonna go for the 200 euro pair of shoes I'm not gonna go for the pair I would have bought last summer when I was going on a night out but I'm going to try and I suppose measure it to be a bit more like what my non-wedding life is because you have a lot of non-wedding life left to live. Yeah it does feel like you're not in real life you're Mm. in this wedding bubble so you do have to like remove yourself from it and think would I be outraged at this cost like just adding like just being like oh do you know what it doesn't matter yeah we'll get the ice cream cart or whatever it is whereas the like you know 20 Irish dancers to come in and do river dance or whatever I mean that sounds great but yeah please do that (laughs) but you could also think as well like if I went for lunch with Claire and she told me well I've just booked this Irish dance troupe for 10 grand for my wedding how would you react to that usually would you go like "Uh, she's absolutely lost the plot or would you be like well do you know what it'll be worth it and depending on what you think that reaction would be will tell you how you're going to feel about your decision in a few years time and you need to be honest with yourself both in those moments and about how much you actually are spending and how much is going out and keeping a legitimate track not just a oh yeah no I'm sure it's fine I spent about a hundred there yeah when actually it's probably closer to three and it's you just need to write it all down and it's the only way that you'll be honest with yourself and that you and your partner will be on the same page because if you're both spending with abandon, you're in trouble. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will round down the amount they spend when talking to other people. Mm. Like if you're talking to other people about how much you spent in your wedding, you're definitely going to downplay it. Yes. Uh, I totally understand that. Yep, and it's nobody else's business. Off you go, especially if it's something like parents. You know, sometimes they'll ask questions about yep. how much things cost. I remember my dad being outraged by the cost of certain things. Yeah, and because he was comparing it to his own wedding yep. when it didn't exist, no. that trend or whatever. <laughs> um, so that's fine, but tell the white lies for other people but yeah. be honest on your own spreadsheet yes I think couples need to keep in mind that they shouldn't compare themselves to others so just because Jane down the road dropped five grand on her dress doesn't mean you need to yeah it can be hard if for example you recently went on a shopping trip with a friend and you went to a big high-end boutique and you yeah. know that you just can't afford that and you'd love it I understand that it can be really really tempting to like look around for yourself or whatever yeah um, but again that's another thing you just have to kind of try and drill into yourself that your wedding is your wedding it's no yeah. one else's yeah and know that on the day no one else is totting it all up no. like 
obviously there'll be certain venues or certain weddings you go to and you're like, oh, this is swanky. But you're never actually being like, and then they gave me this drink and no one's saying like, oh, well, they had mojitos and they had bubbly and the mojitos are probably more expensive. Like no one's thinking that. No, your wedding is not the free swag room at the Oscars. No. People don't come out. I mean, that'd be (laughs) great. But no one's coming out going like, oh, that was a bit stingy, that part. Or like this brand didn't give me enough makeup palettes or whatever it is. (laughs) Nobody is going to say things like, God, they didn't have any favours. That was disappointing. Or, oh, they didn't even pay for a drink at the toast. Do you think people will actually even notice? No. They'll either be off at the bar buying their own drink, chatting away to someone. They'll be still on their glass of wine. You know, people don't notice these things. You do because you're the one planning. Yeah, I've been to weddings with all manner of like, you know, whether it's drinks at the drinks reception and then a cash bar for the rest and I've been at weddings where the drink was applied for the whole night and honestly it didn't make a huge difference to the experience No I have drank the same amount at free bar weddings and weddings where there's literally wine at the dinner and that's it Yeah, and I think a lot of people are the same and even if they're not they won't judge you for it No, because really everything about your wedding to them is a bonus a free meal a couple of free drinks a free band that's all a bonus they weren't getting if you know they were spending Saturday night at home no and having worked in weddings I can absolutely verify that sometimes the ones that seem the swankiest were a lot less expensive than the ones that seem more rustic Mm. are actually often a lot pricier so you can't tell and you can't compare like for like because every single person's wedding's different. Yeah, and don't try to make decisions based on that as well. That like, oh, won't everyone be impressed if this is the brand of shoe I have or if <laughs> this is the wedding venue and everyone's heard of it and everyone knows it's high end versus like this venue no one's heard of because it's fairly new and a bit under the radar. Um, you just have to think about what's best for you in terms of your wedding and your budget and not be worrying about things like designer labels or prestige yes and don't be afraid to be a bit creative so obviously as we said the the most simple package is often the cheapest and doing things your own way can can be more expensive but don't forget you can always do the ceremony with your family and then throw a big party and get a piece of truck to come or you can do a week of parties and have you know a night with your college friends a night with your family and just have big nights out and not actually have a wedding. You can do it so many different ways. You, you're you not restricted to the drop the 31,000 mm-hmm. on a house with a ballroom and a dress and all of that. There's no rules. And the only thing you actually have to spend is the around 200 euro. I'm not sure what it is in the UK. On I your think it's license. actually quite a bit less. <laughs> I think it's like 60 pounds, yeah. which is unfair, Ireland. <laughs> Um, Thanks, HSC. <laughs> but that's all you have to spend is that's it. And mm. everything else is optional. And if you keep that in mind, it might put things into perspective for you. Yeah. In the early days, it's good to know that and remember that. And to know that you can always, as long as you haven't you know, made any big bookings yet, you can always strip it back and yeah. change things up if the budget is of the essence. I think that's a good place to leave it. One fab day. Listener Dilemmas. Each week on the podcast, we take a deep dive into our inbox to pull out a listener dilemma and hopefully solve one of your problems. So, Claire, you have found a query from a groom that was emailed into us recently, yes? Yes. So he says, My significant other and I are going for a DJ only 
any ideas on what we could do to entertain our guests in between the time of the DJ playing after the speeches are done. We're eating beforehand. We definitely don't want a band and are kind of stumped with what to do. We may get a talented singer who'll sing a few songs, but I was thinking something hands-on would be nice for guests. If I'm right, there should be about 30 to 45 minutes of downtime. So there's lots of things you could do. Yeah, Um, I would say though, nearly every wedding has about a half an hour between dinner and the band if it's a band or the DJ and people just tend to chat and mingle and there's background music. Oh yeah, like if you're asking do I have to fill this time yeah. with something you absolutely don't. No. So if you listen to our advice and you toss around a few ideas and you still don't like any of them like yeah. don't worry about it. No. People by the end of the meal and after the speeches will have loads to chat about so yeah. they're in a chatty mood so they yeah. won't need anything. Yeah, so don't worry about that. Uh, what I think would be nice would be maybe some instrumental music mm-hmm. um, because I tend to feel like at the point where people have been drinking a good bit, you know, after the meal and the speeches, people are probably a few drinks in. Um, they're probably not going to pay too much attention to a singer. Yeah. That's why you kind of need to go for like a big, like banger filled band set list at that yeah. point. But um, for a bit of atmosphere, you could do something like a jazz trio or something that would be really really nice and people would appreciate it it would like really like up the atmosphere and uh you know the guests who aren't three sheets to the wind will like pay attention and love it and the others won't be like appalled that it's going on distracting from their chats yeah i was at a wedding that had a mariachi band at that moment it was very fun oh nice yeah Yeah. like instrumental music of any kind it could be you know a barbershop quartet i mean they sometimes have lyrics but they also don't have to yeah Definitely something upbeat because that's the time where you don't want there to be mm. a drop in atmosphere because everyone's kind of high after the speeches, but then they also like the food coma might set in. Yeah. So it's worth having, even if you just have a playlist on the background, that it's upbeat music. You could do something like really off the wall, like a caricaturist or a magician. I will say that those things tend to work better in the drinks reception because people yeah. are more A, sober, and B, they're just more like open to stuff like that usually by the time the DJ is getting ready to come on people are just either have decided they're going to have the chats for the night if they're not dancers and if they're dancers they're just dying to go on the dance floor yeah at our wedding at the end of the meal and the speeches my mother-in-law turned to me and said what time is the band starting and say it was in 40 minutes around then and she goes oh no there'll be a terrible lull now (laughs) And I was like, well, it's my wedding day, so don't say that, please. (laughs) Um, Also, there won't be because everyone was in such a good mood at the end of the speeches that everyone just kind of chatted. And we also had a photo booth at that time. And that was a handy time to catch people for the photo booth. So you could do something like that that's a bit interactive, but isn't like a drain on people's energy or anything like that. Or even if you are planning the DJ to be a bit of a like mad party vibe, you could do things like um, ask wedding party members to start handing out glow sticks or doing like glow makeup. Or if you're maybe wanted to add a fun element to the dance floor part, get Mm. that started. And that would definitely take away any of the potential lull. Yeah, but definitely don't worry about filling it because that's generally the time where people chat to someone they weren't sitting beside and they kind of work the room and have the chat. People are comfortable and well in the flow of the wedding at this point, so I wouldn't worry too much about filling that gap. No. Hi, Ross. Hi, Ross. Take the Emily. Take the Rachel. Take the Rachel. Step away from the spreadsheets. So many people tell us that without realising, wedding planning has taken over their lives. And we're here to put a halt to that. 
Each week, we make a recommendation aimed at getting you to step away from Pinterest and do something different. Selena, what's your pick for us this week? So this week, I am picking the Be Kind Rewind series of video essays on YouTube. So they're kind of like episodes of a documentary almost, except they're a little bit more lo-fi. And I'm not sure what the name of the woman is who does them because I don't think she reveals herself um, anywhere on the account. But she's incredibly well researched and they are all about Hollywood. And specifically, there's a series of 20 episodes on Best Actress Oscar races. So she won't just talk about the winning performance or the losing performance. She'll actually talk about the campaign that the actresses and the studios went on to try and get a certain actress to the number one spot. And she has some really, really good uh, videos as well that deal with sort of different political reasons why someone might not win, like issues of race or sex appeal often come into it. Like you'll notice that there haven't been a lot of black women who've won Oscars, Mm -hmm. especially the best actress category. Um, I think there's only still two or three um, and she discusses that in loads of detail it's really really well researched and really interesting and then she'll do an odd episode on like let's say Harvey Weinstein scandal and she did a really good one if you liked the movie A Star Is Born she compared the recent version to oh, the three previous one. versions mm, that was really good which is really really interesting so if you like Hollywood at all she goes right from the 30s to present day she does a lot of present day stuff and then she does a lot of stuff that would be very much the forefront of everyone's minds like 70s and 80s Oscar wins and stuff like that so it's a really really good watch I think that sounds like the kind of channel I'll get lost in for days and so you know what's you. great is that you don't need to like physically watch it it's kind of works almost like a podcast as well oh, so you can have it on while cooking or you something. can put it on while you're doing the dishes and only you know like cast a glance up mm. it's good double duty that way the one fab day wedding podcast alas we've reached the end of episode 29 of the one fab day wedding podcast thank you so much for listening it really is an honor when busy brides or grooms tune in and spend precious wedding planning time listening to us wax on about weddings Please do spread the word, tell all your friends and if you haven't already, rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you've got a dilemma or even a comment to share, you can drop us a line at hello at onefabday.com or DM us on social channels. We're at onefabday on all of them. And as always, don't forget to visit us over at onefabday.com. We're not just a podcast. We've got almost 10 years worth of features on wedding planning in the categories of inspiration and information over there on the site from a whole team of people who really know their stuff. So definitely, definitely pay us a visit. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast.